<sighs> Let me give Timmy a call. Is this a Michael? Timmy. Hi. How the hell are you? Good. Just clocked out. Today's shift was boring as hell. I mean, it's, you know, Black Friday. I knew most people would not be working, so I sat around and did a whole lot of nothing. How many, uh, did you get any calls? Yeah. Um, a total of five or six. Shoo, in an eight-hour day. Yeah, so it was it was rather boring. Uh, bummer, dude. Well, yeah, it it was all good though. I mean, it was pretty simple calls. There was one. There was one that was like a longer call, just because of I, I know exactly what the process was to like set him up. He had a, he had a brand new laptop, and he just needed to be set up on it. Mm. But the thing that the thing that pissed me off about that call was that I looked in his like you can look at any callers like ticket history yeah and like he he just called a couple hours ago and the other analyst he got basically told him to do like the analyst's job and then call back Mm, right i was like "Uh, you're i was already skeptical of this analyst and this is just another like you know arrow arrow in the quiver of bullshit that she pulls you're fucking annoying yeah right that's fucked up, but it's Friday, right? Are you off? Are you off? Yeah, I'm, me I'm too. Off. Listen to this, Timmy. This one's for you for the weekend. A hard-working man, he earns the weekend. <laughs> cold one going down. Cheers. Cheers. I'm also brother. drinking a cold uh, tall boy. Nice. Of what? Miller Lite. You know it. That beautiful white can. I did enjoy hearing your uh, uh, concert extravaganza on your recent, uh, what was it, I guess, November Doom Thugs Monthly? Yes, yes. That night I put down some tall boy Miller lights. And (laughs) I'm not going to lie, Tim, when I had it in my hand, I thought of you. I appreciate it. (laughs) Oh, I drank all my beer, so I am drinking my dad's Ultras, And let me Mm -hmm. tell you. They go down pretty damn easy. <laughs> Eighty-five Not a fan of Ultra. It's ba- it's like the lightest possible flavor you could have. But mm-hmm. if they're cold and you're just trying to get buzzed, can't get much faster. You know what I mean? They still got alcohol in them. That they do. Can confirm. Ah. <sighs> Also, they're very low in, uh, here's a tip for everyone. If you're on Weight Watchers, I would say drink Miller 64, but I don't know if they make that anymore. Tim, do you? I don't think that's a thing anymore. No. Those were hilarious commercials. Like it was like, all like people working out like, this is, you know, drink this while you're playing ping pong. Cause you're actually healthy. Yeah. You know, Mick Ultra kind of had the corner on that market for a while, and that's still their gimmick today in their commercials is like, you know, all these like CrossFit people mm. working out. And yeah. then at the end of the day, they're on like this gorgeous uh, rooftop, you know, apartment with a sun setting, and they're all drinking Mick Ultra. Like, we're all super fit because they, we drink Mick yeah. Ultra. And they're all fucking shredded. They have 0% yeah. body fat. Those people don't regularly drink beers. 
if ever. They pro- they've probably been sober for like five years. <laughs> right. They monitor every single calorie going into their body. And I don't think they're wasting their cows on fucking Mick Ultras. Maybe right, they'll have sorry. like a glass of champagne at someone's wedding that they were going through insane lengths to look even more in shape for because, you know, that's the sickness with uh, with that shit. But, I mean, everything you look at, right, uh, since you're a little kid is just people in such insane shape. And then if you do start, like, working out with the idea, like, I'm going to get fucking ripped, then it's like, these people are all insane. I mean, some of them obviously are genetics play a part in it to a minor to major degree obviously but even if you have great genetics to fucking be to have like visible abs at all times you have to be miserable you have to be so disciplined and do none of the things that i personally find fun and i love to work out i go to the gym every fucking day and and uh and visible abs are just never going to happen for me because I like to party. I like to have fun. I think about this a lot, you know, because, like, I, I kind of gave up on lifting weights because, like, when I was in college, I had all the time in the world, and I was lifting weights, like, three or four times a week. That rocks. And, yeah, and, like, I was cut but i never got big i mean that's just not that's just like you're saying that's not in my genetics i'm never going to be a, a muscular dude but i will be fit yeah um you're a slim guy like, you're naturally slim you're right. you're like a born runner so i've been trying to just run at least once a week um and that, that that's like my own personal goal right now is like make sure i'm doing it at least once and then start to gradually up it to maybe two or three times a week but you know getting older and Knees and ankles and joints in general don't really respond as well as they used to. They don't love it. They definitely don't love running. But you're like, it's so fucked because like your heart loves it. You know what I mean? Like you fucking, sure. you sweat, you feel good, but your fucking bones and your joints are like, brother, you got to stop this. Or you got to buy moon shoes or something because we're gonna fucking wear out eventually. Get that Dr. Scholl's, you idiot. I just bought new... I just got new work shoes. I'm wearing them right now. When I put Dr. Scholl's in them. I had to upgrade to the big boy Dr. Scholl's. 200 LBs and up. The heavy duty dudes. So Hells yeah. Let's see how that works out. You gotta take care of your feet. And your fucking knees and ankles. It was tough at Appetites. Really, both Appetites and Iron Hill of taking care of your feet because like i would not let a work shoe go longer than a year old yeah because even within like if you would let it go like nine months you would you would feel it like you you and it wasn't just your feet it was like up to your like your your hips yeah yeah (laughs) and and especially at, at a place like appetites and even iron hill to some extent you know appetites especially though it has that huge patio and Oh yeah, serving that patio. I never really clocked it, but I bet I I walked like twelve miles in just like a four hour span. You know, right? I yeah, I'd be curious to see if you like had a wore a fucking Fitbit for one day, how much fucking mileage you're putting in, right? Which is great in some because like you have to work out less. You know what I mean? I'm scared sure. to quit my job and get like a like an office job or something. 
because I'm fighting it as it is, right? Blowing up. And so I work out really hard. And I also am on my feet for like eight hours a day at work. And I don't think I could replace those work calories those work calories burned at the gym, I would lose my fucking mind and get hurt. You know what I mean? And adjust my diet, you're asking? Out of the question. (laughs) Hey, I mean, I, I, like I said, this has been on my mind a lot recently, especially because now I'm like in the groove of totally transitioned out of the restaurant biz into this, like you're saying, an office setting. Mind Mm -hmm. you, my office is my home, but still I sit here (laughs) for hours on end and, I'm not saying like my body is, you know, we already said I'm a thin dude. It's mm-hmm. not like getting gross, but like it's, it's changing <laughs> and you know, it's, it's a whole combo of like being diligent about getting out and running or doing some sort of cardio, uh, more than I am. It's like trying to change your diet even slightly. Like I still say, mm-hmm. eat the same trash that I you know, <laughs> used to eat when I was like 16 years old. Right. And, but, and like, but it's a, kind of a double-edged sword because to to really take care of your diet it's not cheap you know absolutely not and it's work intensive very much so you have to really really be dedicated to like uh kind of kind of pre or prepping and and it's it's time consuming and and it's also like disheartening like in a certain this is obviously obnoxious talk as we're we could we can eat whatever we want at any time and we don't deal with hunger that being said the fifth day of the week when you're cracking open that tupperware you packed five days ago and smelling that stinky ass like chicken breast you know what i mean it's like fuck this i'm going to fucking mcdonald's and having fun on break (laughs) it's just so it's uh it's fucked we're addicted to trash just like you said, you know, it's it's tough to be that committed when you just kind of like being a sloth, <laughs> right? Right. And you know, I'm 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 complaining, but I'm ultimately happy. And I know when I go to the gym and I see people there that uh, are working out, and they also have to use a cane and shit. I know I'm incredibly lucky to have the body that i have uh, that works the way it does and i'm just being a little bitch about cosmetic things that ultimately don't matter i'm a happily married man what the fuck do i care but sure. also it's fucked up it's the human condition uh it's great to look ahead or look at my father who's 78 and like still pretty damn mobile and i'm like oh that's right i have his genes I, I will i will be okay right that's good. You love to see that. Is he a slim guy as well? I am absolutely my father's son. My brother Josh is is more mom. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I, so I am very tall and lanky, skinny, just like him. Yeah. So I'm I'm Tom Parker to a T. Seventy eight. God bless him. I one of my all time favorite pop adults is was his episode talking about vietnam and stuff it was it was uh i was i was uh i felt like i was sitting next to him like with my hands uh under my chin on my knees just like beaming like please tell me more stories 
dude has some stories and not not just vietnam you know like he's he's just i don't know he's he's had a life you know it's it's and i'm just glad that 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 portion of it we got on recording that's like permanent Fuck that yeah. will you know we could re-listen to that at any time and it would always be relevant oh hell yeah hell yeah but yeah he uh he cracks me up too because like i definitely have his humor you know he he or i once again am very much a product of my father and like you know all the dick jokes i tell he thinks are hilarious great that's (laughs) Um, great but then vice you know it, it it can be bad too where in like social settings he can be embarrassing just like i can be embarrassing in front of say my wife in social (laughs) settings um so like thanksgiving just happened and we go over uh cat's sister's place uh they have this gorgeous home it's big enough to you know accommodate everybody it's just they've been hosting thanksgiving for years now and it's just nice that we all go there and even my parents come along uh because because we're all very friendly and going back to what you guys were talking about on November's doom thugs, like you were talking a little bit about the holidays and mm, stuff and yeah. how like specifically Costa, he was saying how it's nice that like all of the, the, the family members on both sides can join and everybody's happy and there's no like drama. And it's very similar to what we do. Um, but anyway, there was one year. So my dad grew up on a farm outside of Dover, but not that the, the farm wasn't, what they did for profit. Like both of his parents were teachers, but they just happened to live on a farm to like provide sustenance, whether it be pigs and chickens for the eggs and stuff like that. Um, So he has some stories about that too. And like, (laughs) I think it was like the first year we conjoined together for Thanksgiving that, you know, we're just telling bullshit stories. Uh, It's even after dinner at this point, we're watching football and out of nowhere, he just starts telling this story about how he had all of these like stray cats on the farm that he grew up on, and his father put them in a fucking like sack oh, and threw no. them into the river or something. Oh my god! <laughs> just out of nowhere, tells this story, and everyone's appalled. <laughs> so, oh, it's brutal. It was really bad. It was. It was definitely a. a Oh my God! Why is it? What will he stop? Is he is he going to stop? Is he going to go? Is he going to see this to the end? Anyway, so like before we went over yesterday, I was like, Dad, just remember, don't tell any like stories about killing animals, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And and he's you know, uh, he's like you know, he had a laugh, and he's like, Yeah, you're right. And then within like thirty minutes of being there, um, cat sister Lauren and husband Ray. They have chickens out back, mm-hmm. and they're they're they have like seven chickens, and they're and they're taking care of them just to get eggs. And my dad's, of course, super interested. Uh, Ray takes them out, shows them the chickens, and then like as they're coming back in, he's telling Ray all of these stories about how they would corral the chickens <laughs> to like chop their heads off. <laughs> and I'm like, Dad. <laughs> We just had this talk, man. Why are you obsessed with killing animals? <laughs> it's so wild. Like, his dad had no problem throwing a bag of kittens into the river. You know what I mean? But then fast yeah. forward, like, five generations. I think most people in, in uh, millennials and Gen Z care about dogs more than people. And I don't think it's close. For sure. 
and and not, and not, I'm not. That's that's a good thing. Like you know. I'm, oh, for I'm, sure. It, we're, I'm telling this story that it's embarrassing that my dad just right. thinks it's okay to talk about this. I'm like, ah, oh, dude. Like what we used to, we used to. Yeah, it's it's shocking. Dover, Delaware. Your dad is a born Delawarean. He is beautiful. Yep. I love a Delawarean. Yep. I'm a big fan of the first state. Yeah, he uh, he went to Udell for college. Blue uh, Hens, let's go. Yeah, and he was he was actually the same year as our uh, Lord Lord and Savior Joe Biden. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Did he know him at all? No, he. I think he did mention that he was class president. Okay. I think that's the extent that he knew of Joe Biden. Wow. College class president, followed by. 80 years, and then the real president. <laughs> right. Wow. <laughs> we got to get an age limit on these presidents. They're too old. <laughs> the last two were like the two oldest in history, right? What the fuck are we doing? An 80-year-old yeah, like- person, if an 80-year-old person, if a 70-year-old person went in to any low-level retail job you know that are begging for people to to work there a 70 year old person will go in and put an application they'll it'll they'll burn it as as soon as they walk out the door you'll be like you can't work here you're too old but yeah you want to be a fucking senator sure no problem <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like uh kevin spacey and i mean sorry not to bring up kevin spacey we all don't you like always him. bring him up i know the worst but, shit uh, he did well i mean obviously all the sexual okay so maybe the 500th worth worst 500th worst thing he did very strange sentence was as soon as all the allegations came out he just was immediately like i'm gay like he was like closeted until he was caught being a creep and then he was like Tried to deflect the negative attention by being like, you can't attack me, I'm gay. It was very disgusting. Yeah, I have two stories actually about But just to finish my one thought. I'm sorry. I'm drinking. In, in, Amer- in American Beauty, you know, he, he walks into basically McDonald's and where he quits his, his whatever office job, walks yeah. into McDonald's and hands him, you know, his resume. And they're like, sir, you're like too overqualified for this job. And he's yeah. like... Yes, I want the least amount of responsibility. But yeah, that that's like any of any of these people working in the government, walking into any retail job. It's kind of same idea, but they make know, like so much money, right? It's crazy, and they're they're lo- like they have such rock solid lifelong big money pensions. There is no fucking reason to still be there. If you know what I mean? It's like. We're fucking tired, you old psychos. What do you need more money for? It's the power, I guess, right? The status? Is that what they're addicted to? Or you would th- hope that it's because they truly do want to do good things for their country and nation. They are, you know, public servants. Public serve, they, right. they they give right. a shit about their country. There are, that, there are people like that that I answer. do. Right. And there are people that I think are like that. And are exactly every thing I just described as a negative, that guy is. You know what I mean? But 
it doesn't matter. He's on my team, so it's fine. <laughs> it's cra- it's crazy too, though. That like it, th- th- this is like part of the game too. That it's almost like you have to cut your teeth for this long, right? Ju- just to get to the stage to be a candidate. Yeah, you know. Like, right. look at the rest of the people that were on that stage with, you know, Bernie Sanders, who's in, in his 80s. Right, that's Elizabeth what I was talking Warren, about. Yeah. who, like, I actually liked her, and that, like, I still like her. I don't want to be an ageist, but then I learned she was, like, she's, like, 74 or 75. Yeah. And I was, like, holy shit, you know, like. And, Pelosi's and been, in her 80s. Yes. And, like, they've been in government for so long, and it, like, takes them so long to get to their positions. That's why it's, like so out of the blue when like an AOC comes around because it's like unheard of right. for someone that young to be elected to office. And she rocks and it's disgust like the like her opponents in in Washington, Republicans, people like Ted Cruz, you know, the scum of the earth. They try to they insult her by calling her a bartender. Like being a working person is so disgusting to them. Like they don't see her on the same level as them because she was a bartender. She worked an honest job. That's gross. Dude, like, they, I think they finally got the memo to stop, like, I'm doing air quotes, banging on her for being a bartender because mm-hmm. it just, like, it does not uh, land with most of this country. Um, so, yeah, like, especially for someone like me, I'm like, Okay, so yeah, you you really don't give a shit about me. Yeah, Got it. You okay, hate cool. me. I'm nothing to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> what a crock of shit. And and uh, then like, and then going through kind of what I did, where I like did the classic Republican line and picked myself up by my bootstraps as a as a fucking bartender and made myself a different career. Well, she just did the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. You know, she she worked hard. She has degrees, but she's like, you know, she bartended to make a living mm-hmm. and realized she wanted to change some things about her fucking neighborhood and her country and did it. She is. That's, that's really the American dream. Cool. Yes. Yeah. That's like a win. That story should be celebrated. Yep. We live in hell, but that's not what we're talking about now. We're having a good time. Uh, it's Friday night. We're having fun. I watched uh, having some beers. I got two down. Might have to run out to the kitchen, grab another couple, but we'll see. I was watching the part one of the Peter Jackson Beatles documentary with my dad earlier. Have, uh, have you have you checked that out? Not yet. Uh, Brian from Con Major has already texted us to be like, you know, watch part one. Really, really liked it, you know? Yeah, and part two's out, and we almost watch it, but it's another three hours. Part one is three hours but is it a is it a total like seven hour situation i don't know and i think there's going to be a part three so we might be up to nine <laughs> you know how peter jackson loves his trilogies of three hour movies that's the only uh it's the only form of filmmaking he knows at this point three Good movies point. three hours each okay then i'll release the special edition and they'll be four hours each 12 hours that's all you need and then I'll release the prequel. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? Even though the book is much smaller, three movies, three hours each. Uh, no, it fucking, it's amazing. It's, it, 
um, it makes you very happy that all this footage was saved and it didn't fucking burn up or something. You know what I mean? That they're still... Because the Beatles are, what, the biggest band in the history of the world? It, you you th- with, some, with a band that exposed and that big and everyone knows every granular detail that's ever been said about them, right? That there's still 12 hours worth of unseen, unbelievably personal footage that can be found. And, and you know, it's, it's, you're like, it's, it's just like, thank God this exists. You know what I mean? It's like, this is magical that this is possible. You know what I mean? It's not some fucking, like... A lot of these stories, you need actors to play. You know what I mean? And it's just so, so great. And it looks great because it's all fucking shot on film. And it just is better. I know I talk about this all the time, but something about film is just truly magical. But it is. It, I think it goes into your your dislike of CGI. Yeah. Uh, it, it, like it so blatantly puts this barrier between you and the screen and reality. And when it's on this film, it just feels authentic. It feels real. It feels, it feels like you're being put in the room Mm -hmm. better than certain things in film today. For sure. And there are shots in this that are beautiful. And most of it is, it is basically filmed like, and, and presented like, you're standing in the corner watching all this shit happen and uh check it out everyone it's a good time it reminded me of did you, the documentary that Questlove put out over the summer summer of soul on uh hulu that's another situation where there was all this unfucking believable footage on film that was shot and then sat in a fucking basement for decades. And by the grace of God, it was found. And it was still, you know, not destroyed. It's beautiful. Another yeah, great I, music doc. I bet this, like, like you said, you know, the Beatles are, I, I don't know. like Just like you said, that's an interesting conversation. Or is it even an interesting conversation? Maybe it's just set in stone that they're like the most influential or biggest you know uh musical artist or group to ever you know walk the planet yeah i mean it's yeah and they're how many books minimum are written about the beatles you know what i mean how many movies too right right and it every it's i i gotta read more about how this documentary came together because how wait how is this how, like you know in the in the, in a world of content how did someone not just like sh- and i'm glad they didn't just shove all this shit out on fucking you know the internet pay ten dollars and watch what's probably hundreds of hours of fucking these fucking english dudes arguing but because they're very british or whatever or maybe they're all just passive aggressive 
their tone doesn't really get above a certain level. So it's like they're arguing, but they're just kind of like talking like we are in this tone. But uh, it's, just watch it. It's fucking crazy. Everyone smokes cigarettes all the time and cigars and just drinks. And, s- small spoiler, they're in their mid to late 20s in this movie. <laughs> George Harrison's like... Probably like 25. They look old as shit. Something like uh, people, uh, when you see like high schooler, a video of high school in the 80s, the people in the video look like they're in their 30s. (laughs) Like we are truly wit. I mean, I guess that's life on earth. You witness evolution uh, firsthand. I mean, you watch, and we could watch it on video. You watch a football game from the fucking forties or the sixties. Watch a football game now. It's like they're both humans in in both videos, but the humans now would rip the humans back then apart with their bare hands and eat them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like for sure now we're like, you know. We take care of our skin better, I guess, but Jesus Christ. I remember, you know, when my grandparents were in their, like, 60s, right? They look like people in their 80s look now. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, Both my grandparents on my mother's side, they died, like, 72 or 73. Mm. And... As a kid, I remember them in my in my mind's eye thinking they looked old as shit. Right. And I was like, well, maybe that's just me being a kid thinking, yeah. well, these are my grandparents. They look old as shit to me. Right. No. In looking back in pictures, like, th- they looked like they were damn near 90. <laughs> yeah, and it's because right. they <laughs> fucking smoked three packs a day and drank a shitload of booze. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> It's it's funny. And that's also why they died as young as they did. I mean, yeah. 70s nowadays is kind of young. Oh, for sure. 70s back then it's like, "Damn, dude." <laughs> my uh my dad's parents were both made it to their 80s, which, you know, is old for back then. Mhm. Crimedy. What's going on, Tim? Oh. I finally watched Midsummer. Oh, holy shit. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I did. And let me tell you, I loved it. <laughs> so happy that you loved it as much as like we hyped that movie so much. Yeah. You know, not not just from us talking about it on the podcast and like at Keenan's wedding. I feel like that's all we talked about at I the think, wedding. I think summer. Yeah, I think, you know, because you drift in and out of conversation groups through uh, all nighter event like that. But I feel like we had like five, at least seven different conversations about Midsummer. <laughs> just kept floating back into it. And what gave what I was hesitant to watch it because uh, it's the same filmmaker as Hereditary. Do you know their name? Uh, Ari Aster. Is Ari Aster, who also made The Witch or no? No. Uh, no. That I'm was, sorry. I believe, a different director. I fucked up. I look like a fucking idiot. 
but, anyway. but that's still that's still an A twenty four film, yeah. so it has that same like tone. Um, damn, he's thirty five years old. I've done nothing with my life. Uh, <laughs> so he made Hereditary, which we watched. Which Hereditary is great, a, a great movie, right? Mm-hmm. But it's hard to watch. It yep. sticks with you. There's some unbelievable imagery in that movie, right? Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Like, um, I mean, especially at the very end when, like, uh, Tony Collette is, like, crawling up the ceiling or whatever. Just terrifying. Yeah. Just deep, unbelievable terror throughout. Um, and it sticks with you, whether you want it to or not. It's You're going to be thinking about it for a while. So I wasn't, I was like, okay. So I was just like, all right, his new movie's out, Midsummer. What the fuck? I can't do it, it yet. I'm not ready. Yeah, like, it's definitely, I mean, especially coming off of Hereditary, the way we just described it, like, that is more of the true horror genre than mm-hmm. Midsummer is. Yes. And so, so thinking about Hereditary, you're like, well, I got to be in like the right mind space to like, give this movie my time. And like, just like we said, you know, hey, we like to drink beers and have a good time, play some video games. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know if I really want to sit down and watch Hereditary when I'm trying to be <laughs> right. positive. Right, right. <laughs> like Hereditary is something like you do to yourself. You're like, I'm going to, you know, put myself through something. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's for the betterment of like my film knowledge and film appreciation. I don't want to sound like a snob, but no, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a major part of modern culture, and it's like you know, it's an important piece of modern art. And I want to be hip to that shit. You know what I mean? Speaking of a twenty four, did you see these commercials for this movie? I think it's called Come On, Come On. Yes, I really uh, want to see that. Is that Joaquin Phoenix? It is. It yes. Is. It's. Uh, oh wait. Oh wait. Did like g- give me give me some thoughts and oh, yeah. whatever about Midsummer. Oh, I will. I just wanted to get that out there while it's on my mind. So, if you are in the same boat that I was in, you know, I understand, but you'll be all right. It's there's one hundred percent fucked up shit in this movie. Now that I'm thinking about it, very fucked up shit that you see. But, and it's ultimately super fucked up. Maybe it's just because it wasn't (laughs) as fucked, I don't know. It's a different kind of, so what stuck with me the most from Hereditary, the most fucked up thing was that this fucking kid's mother was turned against him, right? And it's mm-hmm. like, that is a, some deep level of fucked up horror. It's like, uh, I just, the torture of that kid just fucked with me so bad. This is different. This is fucked up, but it's not, it's a different, he, he definitely went to a different, explored a different area. And, um, you'll see shit that is fucked up, but it is also looks really good. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was, uh, 
I don't know. I don't know how to describe it even, but it was, yeah. uh, I loved it. I, uh, to, to, uh, I hate, ultimately it's a film about the lengths that a European dude will go to fuck your girlfriend. That's what I said on Twitter. I thought it was very clever, but, uh, no, it was, um, I'm very glad I watched it. I think, uh, Florence Pugh is a awesome actress. I'm glad, uh, she's amazing. <laughs> I'm glad that, you know, she's an actor. Now we get to watch her whole career. That's an exciting thing. Yeah, as much as the fucked up things that are going on, I think, like, on, by the end, and then definitely second rewatch just solidifies what I had thought by the end of the first one, is that, like, it's mainly just about really, like, not being able to call a spade a spade Mm -hmm. and recognize who and what a person is and being in toxic relationships and pussyfooting around, not saying what you mean because you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but Uh those stilted conversations in the beginning of the movie of like, no, if you, if you want to go, you go, well, do you don't want me to go? Like I've been there. It's so awkward, but everyone has had that conversation at some point. Like do, if you want to, then yeah. It's like everyone's just passing the buck and no one's saying what they really feel. And it's just, you just want to fucking scream. And then, and even as a dude, I, I, I have been in Christian's shoes and I know what he's doing. He's manipulating yep. Danny into yes. being the one who feels the guilt and feels like she's in the wrong for questioning him about going to Sweden and yes. fucking off for an entire summer or whatever. It's like, oh, it's so brutal. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's like, okay, we're going to talk about spoilers here, but I, it's ultimately, in my opinion, a happy ending. She won. You know what I mean? And and you see it, I mean, quite literally, with the giant grin on her face at the end. Yeah. And you do kind of feel happy for her that she finally got rid of that, like, just awful um, time period of her life. Right. The F- And I mean, hell, we're, we're kind of glossing over the huge grief factor is that, like, I feel like she's kind of just going through the motions because she's, like, not really coming to grips with her family fucking dying. Right. And he didn't. Okay. So he didn't want to be with her. And the, and instead of breaking it off, as soon as he felt that he, you know, pussyfooted around mm-hmm. and then her parents get murdered by her sister who kills herself. And, uh, in unbelievably brutal fashion, yeah. Um, and then, uh, so then he's, of course, like, well, I can't break up with her now. I look like shit. But, you know, that motherfucker is not truly there for her in the way that someone mourning like that needs someone to be. He's a fucking little bitch. I hate that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, man. And then, um, you know, now she's in fucking Europe. 
everyone from her old life is literally dead and she's the motherfucking may queen right it's like Mm -hmm. she embraced it and how could you not what else are you gonna do (laughs) so how did you how did you react to like the the drug sequences uh i thought they were so well done and um they didn't freak you out though no 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 i've never had a um super fucked up bad experience on psychedelics i have on weed but it's different um so no i thought that was like i thought it was great i thought it was it looked like how drugs feel and the one dude like the uh the fucking idiot dude that pisses on the tree yeah the the way in which he was freaking out is like correct that's how you people freak out on drugs like someone coming over here oh i can't deal with anyone new right now like that's straight up (laughs) mushroom fucking logic and talk it's like no one can sit here right now like it (laughs) yeah that's uh will poulter as uh mark will poulter great weaselly guy (laughs) uh yeah because you were saying what that people that you've talked to people that have done drugs and those scenes were difficult for them to watch or they are worried about watching this movie because they know that there's a good amount of drug scenes in it. Right. Um, so, so it's like a little bit of both of like, yeah, yeah, people have watched some of the scenes and been like a little freaked out by it or, or they just have stayed away from the movie cause they know. Now here's um, a, sorry, here's a question I, was, I asked you. I was, hang on one second. Oh, sorry, like, sorry. I'll, I'll say like, then there's people like my, uh, co-bartender on Saturday nights, Morgan, who has had the same reaction as you, who has experienced some psychedelic drugs, and then watching the movie was like, oh my god, I can relate to this Mm -hmm. so much. Yeah. But anyway, go ahead. Oh yeah, I love drugs. (laughs) No, I mean, what was your question? Okay, so I pose this question for you, and this is for anyone who has seen the movie, can chime in. You talk to either of us on Twitter, Super Dino Mike and Pop Addled. Now, this is super spoiler territory, folks. Okay, so, <laughs> fan, I, think, I think I know what's coming. Fast I think forward this is the most five minutes. Question. Okay, so the weirdo finish. Where are they? Finland, Sweden, uh, Sweden, Sweden. The weirdo Swede, Euro trash. You know, transfer student. That's weird at your school. Gets all his pals to come. Right now, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I thought you were. No, asking. no, no. I, I was taking a long pause. So I'm trying to formulate the words in my head. Got now, it. Now everyone gets killed. Then it's like, uh, to me, it seemed like they were brought there to be killed because they need these bodies for the, <laughs> to make the weird sculptures out of to ultimately burn, right? They need uh, X amount of whatever. So it seemed like these motherfuckers were brought in to not leave. Now, my girl, Florence Pugh, whose name, of course, in the movie is... Annie. Annie? 
she wins the dance contest, you know, a definite nod from Ari Aster to a famous episode of Happy Days where the Fonz and Joni win the dance contest by being the last people dancing. And then she becomes the May Queen, right? Love it. I, I never really made that connection to Happy Days. <laughs> yeah, I'm always thinking Happy Days. So she obviously doesn't get killed. Now, what if she loses that contest? Are they going to kill her? So, this is this is so difficult to then like give a rebuttal because like I think Pe- Pele is the guy you're talking about, the Swedish exchange student that mm. brought all these people to his uh, cult, basically. Mm-hmm. Yes. I I think that they would have figured something else out if these people didn't self-combust themselves because they all fucked up, you know. Yes. Mark, Mark pisses on an ancestral grave. Yes. So, he gets killed. Mm-hmm. Uh even Josh, uh, aka uh Cheaty, <laughs> mm-hmm. he he steals He breaks major early. rules, yeah. Yeah, because he he the, like the sacred book or whatever. He's explicitly told he can't take pictures of it, and yeah. he's like taking pictures of it and shit. So they kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian, and they kill the other two outsiders that were like brought in, right? Right. So Simon and Connie, mm-hmm. they just wanted out immediately, and I think they just were their hand was forced to kill them yeah. because if they just fuck off they're going to tell everyone about this crazy cult right so so that's like that's one line of thinking i have and i i i think that it just for movie's sake it worked out that danny won the may queen and it, it kind of ties everything up in a nice little bow if danny doesn't win may queen she probably just gets to go home or maybe she even on her own might've decided to just stay there. Christian, I don't know. Like he, everyone fucked up. Yeah. Christian. I mean, uh, Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, Christian impregnates that girl. We think, right. Right. And then, uh, Ooh, I I do get I do. Ooh, it's I just got chills thinking about it when after he gets the powder blown in his face and then he passes out and then that lady like opens his eyes and it's just like so matter of factly like you can't speak or move okay and like meaning that he literally can't like they <laughs> she had to open his eyes for him that shit's fucked. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I don't I, think they that, let that's, her. I don't, she, that's, she can't leave. That's the, you can't let her anyone leave. Yeah, and I guess that's part of the, the story that, yeah, is is kind of like what you, you really is a mind fuck or, or it's tough to wrap your brain around, like what the plan was all along. But I think it's not necessarily the point of the movie. Right. You know, it's 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 secondary, I think. I agree. I was just wondering, uh, did she luck out? Whatever. 
That's we talked beautiful. about this on, on Com Majors, and this is a while ago when, when we talked about it on Com Majors with Midsummer, and, and I forget what our conclusion was, but I think Jimmy and Brian and Katie had some better insight as to what they thought happened, and now I, I'm blanking, blanking on what their opinion was. I'll listen to it tonight. Yeah, I had the same, same thoughts as you're having. Now, how many times have you seen it at this point? Uh, so I saw it in theater. Mm-hmm. I saw it again with Cat. Uh, it's it's at least three. Okay, it's at least three times, if not four times, because I, I watched it a third time on my own because I I had looked up a bunch of like hidden shit you might not have noticed noticed in Midsummer, and, oh, and, wow. there, there, and there is all sorts of like crazy just hidden shit that you don't you don't pick up on, and I just had to watch it for that fact. Does does any of it spring to mind that you could share with us? Yeah, like right off the bat when it's like early on that they're showing her mom and dad in their bed asleep. Yeah. And there's there's a picture of Danny on the nightstand and there's like flowers around the um the the picture frame ah. kind of alluding to the fact that she's the May Queen. Okay. Um there's when when Danny when Danny's just like distraught laying in her bed after like knowing that her family's all dead and it's just this shot of like her with her back to the to the camera and there's this like picture of a bear above her bed in her dorm or whatever oh shit um in in the swedish cult that when i can't remember if it's before or after I think it's after she wins the May Queen and the, and she's like walking through this like mass of the Swedish people and at one point her parents are there. No and way. Like, yes, and she and she go, and she freaks out for a second. She doesn't say their name or say like actually I think she does say like mom, dad. It's fucking them. <laughs> Cuz she's still like hallucinating. She sees them. Right. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then there's even at one point that they they put her up on this, I don't know, like disc and they're just like carrying her above them yeah and then there's this like super long shot of them like carrying her on this thing and like there's like this tree line in the background and you can see a silhouette of her sister with the fucking gas mask on her face oh shit yeah there's all sorts of like crazy hidden shit in there (laughs) that's fucking wild do so you, it's almost like to say that she's still like thinking about this grief the entire time she's going through this shit. Yeah. She never won't. It'll always right. be there. So one of the there's a great great jump scare in the movie when Annie's freaking out on mushrooms and she goes into the uh outhouse. Mm-hmm. And then you there's someone you see someone like in the mirror or something, right? Or someone behind mm-hmm. her. Is that her sister? For sure. Okay. Okay. Because it doesn't come up again, but it's just a great, like, oh, oh! One of those, like, fuck! But once again, it's it's there. She's just like, she, she you know, she just has these moments where like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, my family's dead. I feel like I should be dealing with this, but right. here I am. <laughs> yeah, and it's also like, because Christian's such a piece of shit... She probably yep. has the feelings of, oh, 
I'm I'm being annoying by still being upset about this. So I'll just act like I'm not. Like I'll act like I'm over it. But then, as we see, uh, anything, and it's an unknown what can trigger it. But things will just trigger her to fucking cry or fucking head off, which makes sense. She should be doing that. But yep. you know fucking what's his name's not being super supportive of this and is probably super rude and annoying when she cries that's so uh that's why she has to go to the fucking airplane bathroom to cry by herself you understand what i'm saying if you act like christian you got to change your life right away and like i said once again i i don't have shame i i well I regret some decisions in my past. Have I acted like Christian in my life? Absolutely. That's where I was going with yes. this. Yes. And that's why it really hits home, this movie. You're uh-huh. like, oh man, I've been that guy before. Uh-huh. I see the piece of shit that I once was in that guy. And clearly still am. 100%. I act like him 100%. I think he was actually right. <laughs> right. I mean, let's go Brandon, baby. Oh. Christ almighty. I just found out what the fuck that means. I wish I didn't know. So stupid. (laughs) Fucking dorks. Dorks. You're fucking lame. Like, it's just... The country is infected by just uncool dork lameness. It's awful. Since fucking 9-11 happened, and everyone's fucking a Toby Keith-ass fucking dork. Sorry. So I got fucked on sports betting. I tried to ask Timmy for advice. He told me not to bet the fucking Lions-Bears game. That I did. I think, I think the line was though. You know, I need a pick for the Lions v Bears game, mm-hmm. and I just was like, "Why the hell are you picking that game?" <laughs> Both teams are absolute shit. I just wanted to fucking have some juice in it, uh, so I did a two-team, two-game parlay. Right, I picked the Bills, who won and covered. But I also picked the Lions, and I picked the Lions money line. And had I fucking took the points, I would have fucking won the parlay. But I'm terrible at sports betting. I don't know shit. So I put in a hundred bucks before the NFL season started, and I'm still up like twenty. So I've I've won enough to be up a bit. But okay. yeah, the parlays is is the w- way to go. Um, <clears throat> Uh, I, I hit a couple hockey parlays, like I, I hit a couple football parlays, but uh, in this week in particular, I ended up caving and doing a parlay with the Detroit Bears game, Ugh. and I took the points with Detroit, so I won that. Yeah. I took the money line on Vegas beating Dallas because I just I had a bad vi- vibe about Dallas. Yeah. Like they they were without CD Lamb, they were without Amari Cooper because you know he still doesn't believe that COVID's real or something and doesn't want a vaccine. Good. Um, yeah. 
so I hit that. But then the third one, I took the money line on the Saints, thinking they'd have a rebound game, nope. and they got smoked. <laughs> yes, yes. Damn, you were so yeah, I, fucked. I, I only put five bucks in, and if it hit, I would have made over a hundred bucks. So right. Damn. It's not like I'm throwing like a ton of money at any bet. No. It's still fun though, and like keeps you intrigued. Right. Like I bet ten bucks. I would have won like forty bucks. That's whatever. I don't know what I would prefer though, because I was out after game one. You know what I mean? You were there, game one, game two, still alive. And I got the bonus that Dallas lost. Yes. So it was just another. It was like a double hooray. <laughs> yes. Yes, I saw a graphic on TV the other night that like the Philadelphia Eagles like are top of the league in terms of rushing yeah i mean and like get into some like dorky stats some some analytical shit they're one of the best offenses in the past like three or four weeks like they're they're all of a sudden pretty fucking good (laughs) yeah the problem is if you listen to wip you'd have no fucking idea (laughs) i don't know I, I'm pleading with you to like not turn that on anymore. I don't. I don't listen to it at all. I. Uh, but the problem is, is that the whole fucking town is poisoned. You know what I mean? It's like I understand that the culture here was shit before WIP existed. I mean, this town famously hated Mike Schmidt. Arguably the greatest third baseman in the history of baseball was never embraced by the fan base. You know what I mean? Always booed. Always said he had, you know, Fugazi numbers. He never had clutch hits. He's only the best fucking third baseman you could ever want. And we got, and this town got to watch his entire career, 500 plus home runs and hated him. We had, even won a fucking World Series. Right. <laughs> right. One of and the, I don't even think it's an argument. I think he is the best third baseman of, of all time. Right. It's like, what more do you want? 1980. 83, the Sixers win. Flyers win in 70. Phillies win again in 08. It's like, nothing good can grow here. The fucking atmosphere is so toxic and poisoned once in a while one fucking flower will spring up from the middle of fucking no man's land you know what i mean of the poisoned destroyed ground one flower will come 1980 2008 and we'll fucking snatch it and we'll crush it because nothing good can grow in this atmosphere and like I was saying, obviously it was shitty pre-WIP, but they fucking took that fire and dumped 500 pounds of nitroglycerin on top of it. And now the city has burned to the ground. The culture is beyond rescue. I, I even see it in my own, my own dad. Yes, me and, too. Like when, when the Eagles were playing the Saints... They, they flat out kicked the shit out of the Saints. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like 27-7 going into the half. Mm-hmm. And then in the second half, Saints started to make it a game. They started to try to crawl back, back in. And a professional when, football team, an NFL football team, 
was you totally. know you know what I mean like competing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God forbid they do that and uh the when when the offense was really what needed to like just get a few first downs to burn some clock and just salt the game away and there was a couple plays that like Dallas Goddard I think dropped a pass mm-hmm. and and previous to that he was really fucking good in the game. Right. Next thing you know, I got, I got it. And my dad hadn't really texted me the entire game. <laughs> and then all of a sudden that happens. And he's like, Goddard sucks. Uh... And I just went, just shut up. I just, that's literally what I sent back to him. <laughs> I was like, dad, they just need to get a couple first downs. Should he have caught that ball? Yeah, he should have. But shit happens. Like they're human. Jesus Christ, man. Oh my god. And they god. beat the fucking shit out of them. They won the goddamn game anyway. It's just like that's like the Philly, the toxic Philly fandom just ingrained in his blood. And I'm like, man, we can't appreciate anything, anything. Can we in this town. Anything. You thought maybe the Super Bowl will make it better. Nope. It's worse than it's ever been. <laughs> it's like it's because <sighs> The, after the Super Bowl was amazing, like mm-hmm. I will never forget that. That really the whole run. Mm-hmm. It's not even the Super Bowl itself. I'll never forget that NFC Championship game against the Vikings, where they just jizzed all over the fucking Vikings. Yeah. Um. And, and that whole regular season, they just beat the fucking shit out of the most of their opponents. Yeah. Um. It was incredible. But then, like, maybe as fans and media Philly media members are probably at fault too. They just, we were so high on ourselves and giving ourselves a whiff of like, I mean, Howie's in, like, look at all the moves Howie made. Uh, Jeffrey Lurie's a great owner. Doug Peterson, amazing coach. We got the franchise quarterback. This could be sustained success for the next 15 years. Mm-hmm. And then it gradually went to shit. Right. So maybe it just like completely, uh, made Philly fans realize, oh my God, I let my guard down. I let the Eagles into my heart. Mm-hmm. And now I look like an idiot because I was wrong. It's like, it's okay to be wrong. Like I'll be wrong every day supporting my team and s- supporting the players on it. Like to the end of the earth. You know what I mean? Now, if a player, you know, sexually assaults someone or, murders dogs for fun, then it'll be like, I don't like that person. But if they're just a fucking guy on the team that I like, I'm going to fucking like them. And this attitude of the Philly fans where like these professional athletes got to prove something to me. You got to prove you're a Philly guy. You got to live up to this in this unwritten list of rules that I know you're tough. Okay. And I, and you gotta, you gotta fucking play by the rules that we don't tell you. If you break any of them, we're fucking mean to you all the time. And depending on who you are, you could do everything seemingly right, but we've already decided we hate you and good luck ever getting out of that. Like the, I, it's not even a player. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good example of what you're saying right now. And, and like this season, mm-hmm. it was the head coach Nick Sirianni when their dicks were in the dirt mm-hmm. after the the Raiders game. They got fucking smoked by mm-hmm. the Raiders. I think it was after that game that he that he like had a team meeting and 
or maybe just a regular meeting, and he like talked about the team being a flower and they need to yeah, grow. Yeah, that was in like a press conference. That's what something along those lines. He's making and an like, analogy. Yes, exactly. And fans and the media blew it up like the fucking worst thing ever. Flowers. Oh fuck this guy. He should be talking about cheese steaks. And the and crazy thing is, is that like I think in the moment the team actually kind of bought into the analogy, and here we are on the outside of the fucking locker room, like losing our minds about this flower analogy. And oh, some motherfucker, God. some fucking loser, fucking hid flowers in his clothes to take into the stadium Dude. to fucking throw at the coach. What? has gone wrong in your life to make you be this type of person mistakes were made by your parents or somewhere along the line you're a fucking loser capiche and that was real quick uh, sorry chargers game yeah like they, they did lose that game yes but it was super competitive like it was a really good game like i I came away from that game being like Hey, you know, not the outcome I wanted, but man, was it tight. Like, man, did the Eagles show fight and like that offense moved the ball. Like, there were so many positives to be taken from that to like uh, the fucking throw something at the coach. And you uh. think you're so fucking clever because the dude made an analogy about flowers. I'm going to th- like, you know, he's either I was the guy that threw the flowers. You're a fucking loser. Nick Sirianni will often because he's the coach of the Eagles, wear Phillies or Flyer shirts, right? Something that this town laps up with a fucking spoon, right? Mm-hmm. And it's great. I love that shit. The teams, when the teams interact with each other and are, in my child brain, friends, I love it. And Yeah, like, I, I vaguely remember... Not vaguely. I definitely remember. I think it was like Wentz and Alshon Jeffrey at a Sixers game. Right. I'm like, yeah. That shit (laughs) rocks. It does. And so there was a picture of Nick Sirianni in a Philly shirt while the, you know, it was during the Phillies were still might have been in it. And Glenn Macnow, a guy who I've had arguments with on Twitter, uh, said, uh, is it just me or is this guy trying too hard? Like, what do you want? You can't, you can't do anything. It's like he, he does what we want him to do. Whoa, he's doing too much. What the fuck is the matter with you? What do you want from people? What has your life become? Unbelievable. Like, oh, so, so he he by doing that is not only embracing. His role as Eagles coach, he's embracing the city. And yes. So, like, he's just being supportive of all things Philadelphia, and that's a bad thing. The like, shit we demand. Like, our list of demands, he was playing by our weirdo rules, but he was doing it too much. Now we don't like you. What do you well, want? Ba- back to the, the fandom. Uh, my favorite. Flyers beat writer is he writes for the athletic. He's the whole reason I got a fucking athletic subscription because mm-hmm. he used to write for broad street hockey, uh, whatever that website is. And then he got scooped up by the athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's also Charlie part of, yeah, Charlie O'Connor. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I was burying the lead. Um, 
but he's also part of the BSH radio podcast, which is like an SB Nation podcast. But because even though he's part of the athletic, like he still is on the show because that's where he kind of started. Yeah. Um, anyway, he, he just recently brought up a great point of specific to flyers, but I think this can be applied to all sports is that it's the coward's way out to like pre season before the season starts. You're just like down on the team. You're super pessimistic about the team and you're mm. just trashing the team and then if all of a sudden the team's good, now like you're 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 happy because oh you were proven wrong in that sense. But then if you're if the the team actually ends up being shitty, well at least you don't have to be wrong with your take that they were actually shitty all along. It's right. like, no, that's the coward's way out. Like be fucking enthusiastic, be supportive. Right. You can be you can be objective at the same point. Like I never thought this Eagles team would be uh, winning the division. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't think they were going to be the fucking Giants. The Giants look like a fucking tire fire. <laughs> right, right. You know, so like, be, like, still have hope, still have optimism. Be like, a the, the, fan. The, be a yeah. fucking fan. You don't have to be a fucking miserable prick. Be, lo, like, what is wrong with loving the team and wanting them to do well? You know what right. I mean? And not demanding they do well and any mistake that a professional athlete makes well i'm going to boo it because i'm from philadelphia and i'm a tough guy fan yeah like yeah i'll boo you fuck part part of this like philly mindset i do you remember when the flyers were in the playoffs against the washington capitals in the first round probably circa it was like maybe 2016 ish and uh, there was the game that everybody got these bracelets that lit up in the crowd. Yes. And then when things went wrong, everybody threw their bracelets on the ice. Yes. I was at that fucking game. Oh, my God. And I still had my bracelet in this drawer right next to me, and it doesn't light up anymore. But I'm just, like, keeping it as a keepsake to yeah. remember that whole debacle. And even in the moment, I was like, this just feels like – these people aren't even like true Philly fans. They're just like they're they're leaning into the stereotype of well, my team's doing bad, so I got to make a spectacle of the the whole thing. Yeah. And so what what can we do? Let's throw our shit on the ice. And it's like I, I don't know. Like I just it's and, and it's, it's leaning like, into the quote unquote Philadelphia fan thing. Like right, we're crazy. Like, we're tough. We're the toughest fans in the league but we're smart and we're tough but unless one of our players criticizes us even the tiniest bit then we'll fucking piss our pants and lose our minds and hate them forever and it's like that's just like it's just such a bad example like that i i truly don't believe that is the majority of philly fans but it's like Mm -hmm. these there's definitely this older mindset of Philly fan that has to like lean into the narrative and it gives these idiots in the media fuel for their fire that talk about throwing snowballs at fucking Santa, Mm -hmm. which like, if I have to hear that one more fucking time, you're such a hack. Like I will never subscribe to anything you write again. If that's your fucking take about Philly fans, because that's not us. I'm sorry. It's just not 
and, and more times than not, those people don't even know the fucking full story of why Santa got pegged with snowballs that game. Right. Right. And there have been bad things since then. Update your reference. Talk about throwing D batteries at Scott Rowland. Why don't you? No, it was uh, J.D. Drew. J.D. Drew, you're right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> same, same team, though. Yes, Cardinals. Scott Rowland got traded to the Cardinals, right? Yes, yes. Uh, the most hated team in the world. J.D. Drew and Scott fucking Rowland. God damn. But, like, I, I guess to to further my point of, like, Philly, Philly gets a bad rap. Like, is there some weird shit that happens in Philly sports events? Yes, for sure. But it is not exclusive to Philadelphia anymore. Like No, no, no. No. And here's my ultimate point is that okay. WIP and the Fanatic are there for one reason is to get people to listen and how they get to people to listen is be insane negative troll assholes, right? And that empowers the worst of the fan base, which is ultimately the loudest and most visible part of the fan base, which makes sports in the town miserable sometimes. I remember I went to a Phillies Mets game. This was I. Th- this was I believe oh nine, and it was late in the season playoff race. Fucking should have been. A fucking fantastic fun time, right? It was awful. The entire fucking game was dudes trying to, like, just, it was like no one was watching the game. Dudes were just looking around, looking for anyone with Mets gear and just screaming at them, trying to start shit. Mm. What we need to realize, ultimately, when you zoom out on what the thing we love called sports is is a children's game right a silly little make up that we're all in agreement with that is valuable in society and we're gonna watch but if you go ultimately the people at the stadium that should have the most fun are kids if you go to the fucking game and you're acting like a maniac and you're scarring some kid for life by fucking throwing a bottle at some dude just because he likes the other team, get out. Like, you you can't watch sports. Like, you can barely... Like, you're, you f- are fucking up this scenario, and I'm assuming this is a reflection of your day-to-day behavior, which is bad. You're the worst. Dude, uh, and like... Why? Why do we? Why do we even subject ourselves to this? To this, like, especially as a Philly fan, this pain and sorrow of like years of being inferior. It's because it's an escape. It's it's just another form of entertainment, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and appreciate it for what it's worth. That yeah, we we just talked a little doom and gloom at the top of the podcast, and it, even in the middle about you know politics, and it's it's ugly out there, but. It's really cool to watch these just physical specimens play a fucking children's game mm-hmm. and have fun doing it. And if your goal is to just like troll and be negative and just like 
trash people. It's like, I, yeah, and like go, go to like pick a fight with the people that I don't know. It's it's one thing if like you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, I'm probably gonna give you shit because you're far from fucking Dallas. But then again, I'm not like, gonna fucking hit you though. I'm not gonna I'm not start gonna a throw fucking something at you. Right? I'm not gonna fucking call your wife fat in front of you. You know what I mean? Yeah. The key word is fun. Why well, don't you know the difference between fun ribbing of someone that likes a different team and being a psycho? Right. Right. Sorry. That that's the point I was missing. Fun. F capital F U N. The whole thing is supposed to be fun. So, and back to your your radio uh points. You know, it's giving these very, I don't know, poorly opinionated Philly fans a platform to express their poor opinions. Right. But then again, I've, I've been saying for years that radio, it's the next fucking medium to go. I mean, we're already seeing everything print is struggling mightily. Uh, so radio, I just I don't see how it's not the next thing to be kaput because there's podcasts that are free number one like some of those po- uh, people that are on WIP they have a podcast for free it's called Go Birds Radio and all they talk about is the Eagles mm-hmm. and they're very objective and it's a great podcast and I suggest listening to that it's you know there's like one commercial in it that's it so you get an hour of just straight Eagles talk injected into your veins and you don't have to deal with fucking Angela, uh, you know, or, or, you know, yes, Angelo is a host. Or Angelo like, you know, has to go. Joe Cogliani from uh, South <laughs> Philly. Uh, first time, long time. Yeah. I'll hang up and listen. Yeah. Bullshit on the fucking radio. <sighs> I think that's all I got. Timmy. It was great to talk to you. Always a pleasure, Mike. Um, took us a while to get to some sports, but I'm glad we got this rant out there. Oh, fuck yeah. I needed it. It's been a long time coming. You know, I never get to talk sports with Keenan because he's not into sports, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we have a lot of the same opinions revolving around like Philly sports fandom and sports overall. Like, just have fun. Have fun, please. Let some things be fun. All right. Well, I'll let you go. Uh, it's nice to talk to you again. And uh, listen to Doom Thugs. Listen to Pop Addled. We'll be over there soon for some RoboCop. And I'm going to. RoboCop 2014 here. coming up soon on the Pop Addled podcast. <laughs> All right. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.